When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonix Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Pod Aruni. 25, a quarter of a century. We've made it to a quarter of a century. This uh, podcast has been going for 25 episodes. I can't believe it. I'm really, really, really proud that I've got this far. And it's not far now till the old half a century. Just another 25. Stick with me. We'll do it. So for this episode, I've got a a fantastic kind of pioneer of Irish comedy. His name is Kevin McAleer. And anyone who would remember the programme Nighthawks, which uh, was presented by Shay Healy back in the 90s or whatever, will remember Kevin McAleer. Um, He became a massive, massive, huge name in Irish comedy from a character that he did on Nighthawks. So he dropped over to my house one Sunday evening and we chatted at my kitchen table. So when you hear this interview, you will hear the sounds of the perhaps the dog walking around the room or somebody opening a door or various domestic uh, sounds in the background. Well, during the week, uh, I uh, if you heard my podcast last week, I have I was suffering from an incredibly sore back which uh, was um, really debilitating me. So by Monday, I was getting a little bit better and I went for a big, long cycle. Well, I had to go for a cycle. I don't have a car at the moment, so I was doing the improv in Dublin. So I cycle six miles and then I get on a bus and I put the bike on the bus and I go in and do the gig and I come back and I cycle six miles home. And the next day, uh, my back felt much better. So the old bit of exercise was good. And uh, I'm feeling much better. So I had the uh, the old cyst thing on the tummy. That's gone. And the back thing. And that's gone now. So I'm feeling better. And a lot of people are, say, you know, I've been talking to people. And everyone I've talked to say, well, you know, bad luck comes in threes. That's what they say. Now, that's not the first thing you want to hear when uh, you've told them that you've just had two kind of health issues. It's not really what you want to hear. I don't want to hear. It's bullshit. Come on. So uh, they they don't. They come in twos. They come in ones. They come in fives, probably. So I'm sure there won't be another one. I'm sure. So over the weekend, I brought brought my kids, when I say kids, they're teenagers, to the play The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. I don't know if anyone, you know about this. brilliant it was a great book and the play was on in the board gosh theater and i'd heard about it because it was on in the west end for a long time and i really i wanted to go see it in london but it was booked out way in advance so when it came here i thought definitely definitely going because the set apparently now it's about this boy who uh, could be an uh, could have aspergers or whatever he has difficulty relating to people so the set kind of was this amazing box with lots of lights and leds that formed grids and that would lead him around the main character around like and uh, yeah that sometimes kind of explode into loads of kind of fragmented colors and images and words popping up on the screen and moving around and it it was probably well, I think the idea was that you would experience the world of uh, from the point of view of of someone with Asperger's so I'd love and that was amazing that was amazing it was fantastic and uh, at one point in the first act I actually I was crying and it, it was fantastic. So I loved it, uh, except then in the second act. The second act, see, the problem I have with the plays or the one thing that puts me off of plays is trying to feel like you're 
in it. You're not just watching a play, you're getting involved. And it is strange because even even when you I went in on Saturday and it was a matinee and the set is amazing and there was kind of music as well at the beginning. And then when the characters start talking, it's shocking actually that they're not amplified because you're used to cinema and you're used to voice. So you hear these people talking and they're talking from the end of a room. And it, it at first that kind of put me off. But then I just got into it and I just felt, yeah, I was I was in there. I was totally absorbed in the whole thing. And it was amazing. As I said, I cried. The first act finished. The second act, amazing as well. The, the set really was amazing. Um, but there was one thing that threw me because they actually broke the fourth wall. At one point, the main character wants to explain a maths problem that he's had problems with and his teacher in the play says hang on no the audience won't will be bored of that uh why don't you uh, explain all that at, at the end of the play and i'm like what what like you're just totally absorbed in these characters and then then suddenly you you you're being told that you're watching a play and it was just oh god but apart from that it was amazing it, yeah it was good but another thing that really uh, um this is unbelievable. I'd read the book of the incident of the dog in the night time. I'd read the book and I went to see the play and I, I'd just forgotten the whole thing. I'd forgotten. I'd read that book and there was like a massive, massive events in the play. I'd totally forgotten about a massive twist in the play, like almost as big a twist as in Gone Girl, where everything just flips and I'd completely forgotten it. Um... I don't know if that's good or bad. And during the week, I watched um, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with my daughter, and I and I'd seen that before, and I'd completely forgotten it. So, is that good or bad? I mean, it does mean that I can just keep reading the same books over and over. Well, you know, and and say I don't have to buy any more DVDs. Uh, just keep watching them, but it's frightening in a way as well. <laughs> it's fucking frightening. You've read what was the point? Uh, Weird. Anyway, yeah, so uh, so uh, this is uh, Kevin McAleer coming up and uh, we, we, this kind of interview is in three parts um, because, as I say, we were at home in the kitchen so things happened that, and I had to turn off and, uh, the uh, recorder. But here, enjoy, Kevin McAleer. Boy, Kevin. It was on my way. Hmm. Oh, that's okay then. Uh, where do you, you live in Oma, do you? Near Oma, yeah, but five miles outside Oma. Little country place. Yeah. A bit like this, you know. Yeah. In, uh, in its quietness and ruralness. Have you got a farm? No. I oh. used to have a farm, but um, we sold the farm after my dad died. So the house is still there, you know, the, but the, the land around it is, is gone. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, also, I, thought, I just thought you had cattle and all this kind of stuff. A lot of Not, people think that. Yeah. I, I, I know. I, I used to have a line that said um, I divide my time between uh, uh, milk and the cows and the social security system, you know. Yeah. Which was just a play on words. Yeah. But <laughs> people... Rather than thinking that was hilarious, they thought that I had cows. They took it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've, not, I've never managed to shake that off. So. All right. Yeah. I, well, I was on the impression you had a working farm and everything. Yeah. It's all yeah. based on that line. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I presume it is because there's, there's no other way of, you know, there's no other reason why anyone. I don't know where I, I got that impression. Yeah. Everybody thinks that, you know. Uh, if about 20 comedians have thought I was a farmer I, I might have told some of them yeah <laughs> could be all your fault yeah 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 so um, so you grew up in a far- on a farm was that a dairy farm not just a dairy farm <laughs> we did well, have cows not many of them it's a very small farm you know cows pigs sheep chickens oh yeah uh, yeah uh, but I didn't like, you know, I didn't like growing up on a farm. I was the only son, you know, and mm. I would have been the natural person to 
you know, to go outside and mm. do farm work, you know, but mm. my dad had to drag me out of the house, you know, had to drag me away from Radio Luxembourg, you know, yeah, to, to pick up stones off the field. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, my father had that same problem with me. I grew up in a farm as well, trying to get me out of bed in the morning to help milk the cows. Mm. And like when you go to school all week, like that's work, you know, to me, that's that's uh, getting up early and going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a week's work, you know. Mm. You don't want to be uh, doing all the stuff on top of that, especially at the weekend, you know. Mm. You don't want to get up on Saturday morning and be working on the farm, mm. you know. You just want to lie in and read poetry and listen to the radio. It's not a lot to ask, is it? No. <laughs> but there are, but there are, uh, do you know, well, I found that there was neighbours' sons who would show you up and loved it, loved it. That's right. They'd love be out in the tractor and all this. Mm. Yeah, and, and a lot of them are now, you know, farmers, take, take, you know, just taking over the mantle, you know, but mm. I, uh, there was never any chance of that happening with me. Yeah. D- anyway, so then you... Um, uh, so you have two, a couple of sisters, is it? Or three, three yeah. sisters, yeah. yeah. And they are uh, nothing to do with in showbiz or anything like that. No, 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 no. I don't know where I got the got the urge, but uh, uh, no, they're they're um, in uh, education administration, hospital administration, and catering. Wow, administration. Yeah. <laughs> Real catering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, then, what, did you go to college then? I went, I did a journalism uh, certificate in Rathmines Tech. Oh, right. Uh, so you came down from the from the north. I did, <laughs> but yeah. like, were, were you, Did you have any, uh, was there any um, effect of the troubles at all while you were growing up there? Was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no avoiding it, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I suppose because I live in the countryside, didn't see the worst of it, but... Mm. Yeah, you still get uh, shooting and bombing, you know. Obviously, it's all on the news, you know. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I was very affected and very aware of that, you know, for, you know, from 68 onwards. So. Mm. Um, and one of the one of the reasons why I got out of there as soon as I could, you know, in 1974, you know, I just yeah, couldn't wait to get away, really. Mm. Yeah, for several reasons, but that was definitely one of them. And if you're living in the countryside, are there Catholic and Protestant areas in the countryside as well? Like you? Yeah, it gets very local. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, although where we are is quite mixed, I suppose. But yeah. if you go five miles up the road, you know the 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 shades of Catholic Protestant are very, very very well defined. You know, and can change very quickly. Mm. Even in the countryside, well, yeah. wasn't there kind of a thing? Were the IRA trying to get uh, Protestant farmers out of certain areas and things like that? Or they? Uh, I wouldn't say that was a direct thing, but there was obviously a lot of sectarian stuff going on, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if I had been born five miles up the road, I might have been a, a Republican, you know. Like, it gets, it gets very, very local very quickly you know yeah whereas i'm not I'm yeah just normal <laughs> and uh so you moved to you uh, sorry you went to college in Ratmines to do what was it again journalism journalism <laughs> yeah <laughs> how did that go well i mean i never uh i never did much journalism out of it you know I, there, you were sent it was a two-year course and you were sent off to um one of the provincial papers in the in the summer in between so i was sent to limerick and I was working for the Limerick Weekly Echo for the summer, and that's probably the closest I came to doing real journalism. Mm. And uh, if you could call it real, going out and doing court reports and uh, interviewing people and stuff like that, you know, mm. laying out the paper. I liked I liked the sub editing bit of it, you know, doing the headlines and editing stories and stuff like that. Mm. So, and then. Uh, when did you did start thinking about comedy or stand-up? Would have been in my mid-twenties. Uh, I remember I was, I, was, I was just traveling around then. I was in San Francisco and I came across comedy oh. clubs in San Francisco. Right. And uh, 
you know, and they had the open spots and I was very keen to to, to try it over there and made a few um, almost attempts, uh, nearly did it, you know, mm. in San Francisco. And why were you over in San Francisco? Ah, <clears throat> uh, just working, just, I was yeah. just working as a painter and decorator, just traveling and working. Right, so after you left college, you didn't become a journalist. I worked for a transport magazine for a year. Yeah. Commercial transport magazine. Mm. Out in Rathcool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up editor of commercial wow. transport magazine. You know, I don't like to blow my own trumpet here, you know. But <laughs> Can you remember any big stories? <laughs> scoops? <laughs> there was someone around. There was, uh, it was big around here. Was it, did, is there some big quarry type place around here? Yeah. Like Pla- or? Platten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out there, yeah. 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 Mm. And you Lake had some place in my consciousness, you know. Yeah, there's massive from, like, the, from my commercial transport days. Mm. Yeah. I think they uh have a train line going yeah. to it specifically mm-hmm. to bring cement. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and then you decided to travel, was it or Yeah. I just um yeah, so I had I had a steady job and mm. uh uh, then, then my mum died, you know, and uh, for some reason I decided to pack in the steady job and go travelling mm. a few weeks after she died. Yeah. I wasn't aware of it, but I must have been sort of uh, being, uh, behaved myself for, you know, being a goodbye for her or something. Mm. Because when she died, I suddenly thought, right, now for some <laughs> travelling, some some crack, you know. Yeah. So, like, she wasn't like a... Uh, yeah, a, a, a bossy, dominant woman or anything. She was a very mild-mannered, kind woman. But I must must have been someone in me that was thinking I needed to be a nice boy. Impress her. Yeah, it's what my mother would have wanted or something. But mm. so yeah, I just headed off and started living in squats and traveling and stuff like that. Where'd you go first then? Uh, London. To London, yeah. Yeah, squatting in King's Cross. Yeah. What what year was that? Would have been 70, uh, 77. Yeah, all right. So yeah. were you into the, the punk thing? I saw a few punk bands, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, XTC and television and the Boomtown Rats and uh, you know, the Jam on the same bill in Camden Town. Wow. That's <laughs> something else. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, yeah. I didn't know that they were uh, legends in the making, you know. They were just punk bands to me. Really? Know? Yeah. Yeah. Was it interesting to see an Irish punk band? The, punk, the Boomtown Rats? Oh. Uh, Did that give you... you know, never really thought of it in those no. terms, you know? No. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was amazed when I heard them on the radio. I thought, they're really good. Hmm. And then Dave Fanning came on this Irish hmm. band. I was like, wow, they're Irish. You know, you always think, yeah, yeah. The, apart from Tin Lizzy, most Irish music was shit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, th- went, then you went to San Francisco then. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> There's probably a few years in oh, between that. But we, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I ended. Yeah, I ended up in San Francisco anyway. But it would have been well, not that much of a gap because it would have been late seventies. Were you working over there as well in London? Obviously, you were. <coughs> no, I was just no. signing on. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Just living in the squat and signing on. Yeah. You didn't need to work in those days. No. No. There was none of, no work. There was none of that work <laughs> in my day. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what what would you do? Like, what would you do? Be, what would you fill your time with? Get up, go to the pub. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's about the height of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Not much at all, you know, just yeah. hanging around, watching TV, going to the pub, signing on. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you know, so you, you never, you never like had this huge ambition to, I'm going to do some, I'm going to, whatever. No, I mean, yeah. um, by, by the time I did stumble on the comedy, I, I, I was kind of fed up with just making do, you know. Mm. And doing jobs I didn't really want to do, like painting and decorating, you know, and stuff like that. So I was getting to a point where I thought I need to find something interesting to do, you know. Mm. So the comedy was, was great. I just stumbled across something that I thought I was interested in, that was uh, some 
creative, you know, that's, mm. that meant you didn't have to do, you know, waste your time doing something you didn't want to do for very little money, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very timely. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and so, but you, you didn't do it in San Francisco. When did you, when did you do it? Well, when I came home, you know, on the plane home, I was kicking myself that I didn't do it. And when I got yeah. to Dublin, somebody told me that a comedy club had just opened. Yeah. And uh, which one was that? It was um, in the Harcourt Hotel. Yeah. In uh, the Hollywood, was it the Hollywood, the Hollywood Hotel, Harcourt Street. All right, yeah. Yeah, it was in a basement in Harcourt Street. Yeah. You know where Ivy Gardens is? Yeah. It'd be more or less across the road from that on Harcourt Street in a basement. Right, yeah. I think there's a hotel there, little hotel there still, but it's not the Holyrood anymore. There is a hotel. There. I mean, that might be where that uh, club is, that Copper, Copper Jack, Copperface Jacks or something. Could be. I don't know. I've never been in there, but that's yeah. That's Harpy no. Club in Harcourt Street. Me either. But it's, it's a funny that you should say it because, uh, like, everyone talks about the international as being mm. the uh, first comedy club yeah. in Dublin, but. Well, I can go back further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is a scene that I uh, I missed out on. I would have been in Dublin at that time. Yeah. But I was involved. I think it was in a band or something. Yeah. But um, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. So, who, like, who... <laughs> Shut up, dogs. Who would be... Who would have been involved in that? Um, there was a guy called Peter O'Connor, who's a, a writer. Yeah. Uh, an Irish writer. He's now living in uh, Japan. He's uh, lecturing in history, I think, in a in a university in Japan. Mm. So he would have been one of the main uh, um, people. Mm. Um, Oscar McLennan, you know, like, do you know him? He's from Glasgow. He he came over to, like they were getting people over from London Mm -hmm. uh, and the UK. Oh yeah? Because there weren't any local acts, you know. Yeah. And they were desperate for people to do open spots because there was no local acts, you know. So they were getting people over, like, uh, people like, uh, I remember Alexis Seal coming over. Yeah. uh, Tony Allen, um, Clive Anderson, people like that. Are you serious? Yeah. And uh, they would get them over to try to generate uh, some interest in it. Yeah. And desperately promoting the the open spots, you know. So I did an open spot then. Uh, there, mm. you know, I, the, the the opportunity I'd missed in San Francisco was just put in front of me again, you know. Mm. And uh, Oscar McLennan came up to me afterwards and uh, said, you, you, "You've got something there. You should work on that," you know. Mm. And it was very astute of him because there wasn't much to go on, you know. I'd only um, said about you know twenty words or something. Well, <laughs> but, well was your style the same? Was, was your delivery the same as as it is now? You know, kind of, uh, you've got this deadpan delivery, which ugh, I didn't. I didn't really have a delivery. You know, I yeah. I just um, like I didn't. I didn't have any lines. Even I just wanted getting up was the challenge. You know, yeah. getting up oh, and yeah. down. So I just got up. I, I don't remember what I said. But I didn't have an, an act. You know, mm. and I didn't last long. You, you, got, you know, you got shot it off. Was, you know how it works. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, what kind of an audience were going to that? Um, club. I don't know. I, um, ah, I suppose uh, sounds like uh, students and yeah, old, other slightly alternative people signing on the dole. I suppose mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. felt Sorry. people like myself. You know, like I felt yeah, it was. Uh, mm. Just something that people were making happen for themselves. You yeah. Know? Um, and then uh, Billy McGraw got involved in it later on. Not that much later on. But, um, he would have been... Uh, I don't know, but I can't remember the exact details, but I think Peter O'Connor was faded from the scene and Billy McGraw took up the reins. Of that club? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Billy McGraw's... Yeah, he's... Pre- Produced a few TV programs and things. Yeah, like yeah, he's still around. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was great. Like when when Oscar said to me, uh, "You've got someone there." I just took him at his words, and I'd got to, like I'd got a few laughs. So I was just yeah. on a real high, you know. And 
and went home and wrote like 10 minutes of material or something and came back the next week you know and it was just like uh, so exciting yeah as you know oh uh, absolutely <laughs> starting out like that it's amazing yeah. uh, so you would get on every week would you like there was, yeah there was, <laughs> there was, mm. it was not like you had to wait yeah oh yeah they were desperate for yeah you know to, to, to cultivate the, the local likes yeah but then, like Oscar was, um, he he was working regularly in London, you know, on the comedy circuit in London. Yeah. So he said, "Come to London, you know. There's loads of clubs. Right. You could be working, you know, three or four nights a week mm. if you write some more stuff." So I I did that. Oh, you did. So yeah. I I always thought that you you were around Dublin <coughs> and Michael Redmond and. If, uh, the other guy there's a few others yeah I was yeah like I was uh, I was but um, wasn't that long before I went off to London you know to seek my fortune Uh, so but you were gigging around but there was only that one gig in Dublin is that right just the one place yeah well it moved then uh, uh, in the the project yeah yeah Yeah. there was uh, was stuff in the project that, that was very that was very Certainly, Billy McGrath. Yeah. Era. Okay. Uh, before we reconvened our conversation, I mentioned to Kevin that in the kind of history or folklore of Irish comedy, it's always said that the International Bar is the original and the first Irish alternative comedy venue. But in fact, obviously, there was at least one, if not two, other comedy uh, venues that were well before the international. So his reaction to that was this. I mean, you don't want to get pedantic and say, well, actually, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it is, uh, you know, it is important to know that that, that it started up before that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've never been in the international. You actually haven't done no, a gig there? Never. Yeah. Or, or to or been to it. Oh, you've not even been in No. There? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you're not even a. Uh, I suppose you were gone to London by the I time was in London, yeah, by the yeah. time that uh, right that happened, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I, I do remember Michael Redmond in the in the in the the old basement, you know. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. I remember he uh, he jumped up and down. On it. He got a um, cauliflower out of his bag and just jumped up and down on it until it was all smashed to pieces. <laughs> And then left again without saying anything. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that was that was his. uh, Yeah. Thing. I think he was living up in uh, like he wasn't living in Dublin. I think he was living up around here somewhere. You know, like out of town anyway. Yeah. I just had this vision of him driving in, (laughs) doing that, and driving home again. You know, like hit and run. Yeah. I think it's amazing though that at the beginning of the comedy that there were. Things like it was more exciting in that way because mm. I was talking to, um, oh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but he told me about an act in London and it, he, he used to come on with just a block of ice mm. and uh, melt, melted over half an hour mm. in different ways. And I don't know if you remember that act. But <laughs> no, but I remember similar, like there was a lot of things that yeah. would be called performance art now, you know. Yeah. That were just, uh, it was, it was, there was much more diversity. You know of of uh, uh, genres. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that would be just the funny end of performance art now. You know, yeah. And uh, so when you arrived in London, what what's the first thing you do? You just go to a club and say, well, Oscar knew all the clubs, so he yeah. he really uh, smoothed my path. You know, yeah. like uh, he he just uh, got in touch with the people he was uh, the promoters he was working for and said, Does "This guy." And he's really funny, you know. Yeah. So it really, it, it really, really helped me, you know. And you, so you start off with a spot, <clears throat> not to, or an open spot. Uh, well, I did some open spots, yeah, yeah. but it was very quick. Uh, quick, quickly moved on to getting a few bob for them, you know. Uh-huh. I suppose it was easier then as well, you know. Like there just wasn't uh, the same competition, you know. No. Like when you hear people spend their lives uh, or years doing open spots, you know, and. You know, the hierarchy of open spots, even, you know. Yeah, it was, see, now I suppose it's all changed, so you, people would see a pathway to fame, mm. to fame. So there's a lot of people want. It, like, I yeah. I didn't realise how easy 
I'd got it, you know. Yeah. Just moving up uh, the steps to, to to making a few bob out of it, you know. Yeah. It was great. And what kind? What, what clubs are you? Can you remember any of the clubs that you, you were there doing? There was one in Dalston called Crown Castle, which was mm. a red club. Uh, uh, one in Islington, or Upper Street, the King's Head, mm-hmm. um, the Hare and Hounds. I think that was Islington as well. The Red Rose in Finsbury Park. Oh, uh, which is still going, I think. Uh, really, and what yeah. about the one out in Greenwich? The, the yeah, the tunnel. The tunnel, yes, yeah. with Malcolm Hardy. Yeah, but that yeah. was going then. Um, I'm, I don't know if it was going from the start. Yeah, but I certainly remember doing like with the slideshow. You know when I. All right. When I got my slideshow together. So how long? Uh, <coughs> how long did you get? Uh, how quickly did you move on to the sli- slideshow? That was fairly quickly. What have yeah. been uh, around 1984? You know, so uh, I probably didn't do the just the, the talking bit for. A year or something, you know, and then I developed the slideshow. This is one with the owls. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, really? That quickly? Mm. And there was you brought your your own projector and all, and yeah, I got a mm. bought a projector and a screen, you know. Mm. Set myself up. <laughs> what made you think of that, though? What What was the inspiration for that? Did you just yeah. find the slides, or what, what happened? Uh, there were there was slides in this um, uh, squat we moved into. There was mm. squat, uh, there was slides in the cupboard, mm. yeah. So that I used them exclusively at the start. In fact, I used to just shuffle them like a pack of cards, you know, and put them in the carousel and see what way they came out. You oh, know? oh, really? Yeah. And you just started off like on guard to start with. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a lecture or something, or yeah, what, you know? yeah. Well, it was just me talking, talking very randomly about pictures, mm. you know. And obviously, the pictures weren't particularly, uh, um, you know, exciting either. You know, they were just happened to be in the cupboard, you know. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it got me going, and then I just actually started looking for funny pictures or pictures that would would suggest lines to me you know mm. but my wife found the Oz which you know was just my girlfriend then yeah she um, had come to see my slideshow and uh, lighted and she saw the, uh, the the four Oz in the zoo you know slide yeah and uh, she thought that would be good for the slideshow you know unbelievable I so, remember the first time I saw it uh, she got me that for a birthday present just, in 1984 it, it, <laughs> what a great yeah, birthday present fantastic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the one slide isn't it there was mm. only one wasn't it of the four hours yeah um, I did I did um, I did doctor them a bit you know um, oh you did yeah I put yeah. sunglasses on 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 them of course in, in those days yeah. There was no Photoshop. You, you, you got a physically did it. A scissors and you cut out <laughs> little sunglasses and stuck them on, on the on the little thing. You know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hilarious. How long were you getting out of those that the owl slide? How much time on stage were you? Was it? Uh, I I timed it actually uh, recently because it's on YouTube. The bit I did it on Friday Night Live or something. Oh, right, it was yeah. a minute and forty five seconds. Before I said anything. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I just put the slide up and and there was laughter. Yeah, and I would, you know, tickle them a bit or wobble the screen a bit or just, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And actually, but that's even was your, I mean, I remember the first time I saw you was in Andrew's Lane uh, and I don't think you said anything for God, it seemed a bit, hey, it was laughter mm. for so long. Well, you might just go, uh, well, you see, or something, or whatever, mm. you know. Amazing. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, then, uh, yeah, was it, you, were you just coming back to do certain gigs in Dublin? Like, was it, uh, you were you stayed living in London? Yeah. yeah, I suppose I was coming and going a bit, you know, like I was coming and going between Dublin and London. Yeah, yeah. All through the second half of the 80s. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, but then, I'm, yeah, when I moved to Dublin with, uh, with my girlfriend in 80, 
88. He moved back. Yeah, I was living in um, in uh, Upper Gardner Street. Yeah, for a year. All right. Yeah. Um. Why, why did you move back? No. Um. No particular reason, but I suppose we just. Uh, she was interested in seeing Dublin. I think she's know? from London. Yeah, well, she's from Ipswich, but Ipswich. she's lived in London for a lot of her yeah. life. Yeah. Uh. Just, just for a change, I think you know. In '88. Mm-hmm. And so, what kind of what any new Irish comedians hanging out then, or from Michael Redmond? Uh, in in Dublin, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the um, um, the Joshua Trio and. Oh right, with uh, uh, Paul Woodfull, Arthur yeah, Matthews, who wrote yeah. Harder Tentacles, um, drums. I suppose they were probably in London then. You know, like uh, yeah. I don't remember the. I don't remember doing um, club gigs in London in that year or in Dublin. Oh really? No. Um, so you didn't do any comedy in Dublin. Well, I I, st- I got involved in the Nighthawks stuff then, you know. Like, oh, was uh, that when that kicked yeah. off? Oh, right, all right, yeah. all right. Actually, yeah, well, yeah, I must have I'd done a gig in the project because that's where they saw me. Anne Enright was the the mm-hmm. uh, producer in Nighthawks. And Enright, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I, I did some sketches with her with Paul Tyler. Yeah, no, she's she's so a she's, very famous author. Yeah, she's gone on to bigger things mm. than discovering uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she'd seen me in the in the project and asked me to come up with someone for Nighthawks. Mm. So that's when I came up with the old storytelling character. So that car- that material was written particularly for Nighthawks. For Nighthawks, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I was just improvising to a camera in the corner of my room, mm. as you do, and uh, I just slipped into that character, you know, and mm. did for about forty-five minutes of it, you know, and, and played it back, and I thought, I'm onto something here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, did you write it out? What did you do? Did you send it to into her? Or I I made uh, I sent it in on video. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sent it in on video. And um, yeah, but there was quite a long standoff where we where uh, the uh, I wanted a certain amount of money for it, and they said that's far too much, you know. Yeah. So about six months, there was a six months gap where I said, well, if you want, uh, you're going to have to pay me a bit more for it, you know. And said, well we're not paying you anymore yeah. and, uh, and I said okay I won't do it then so yeah. it might never have happened you know like I'm very stubborn like that Yeah. but um, luckily they, they find a few extra bob from somewhere mm. and the rest is history so then did you shoot it in RTE yeah yeah. but it was just shot in uh, not even in a studio just in a, any a dressing rooms mostly I think it was shot in yeah yeah and I was never on the set of Nighthawks either. Never? No. Jesus. I've, my life is a series of places I've never been. <laughs> um, it was just shot in the, you know, like cupboard or a dressing room or anything. Yeah. And they would just shoot three or four of them. And then they slapped them in. You know, they would just slap them in. So I was never on the set God. of the actual programme. And then when they went out, was there an immediate reaction to them? Oh, there was a huge reaction. I yeah. couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. it was just like a, all hell broke loose. Yeah. You know, people just wanted me to do live gigs on the strength of them, you know. Yeah. And uh, by that time, I I was back in London, so I wasn't immediately aware of the impact of them, you know. Right, yeah. But I'd done a, I'd done a few gigs in, you know, the city centre venue down the... Down near where that new Millennium Harp Bridge is, you know, just on the south side. Um, oh, it's it, it, it on the corner. Yeah, it doesn't exist yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, used to, I think it was the Grapevine Arts Centre. Yes, that's what it was, Grapevine yeah. Arts Centre, yeah. And they had a late night gig there on yeah. a Saturday night, I think, or and, um, Friday night. Noel McHale was running the place. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Or he was running the live bit of it, I Yeah, he works with and MCD now. He's had me up a few gigs. Mm. And um, I came over from London to them, and he said, uh, do, "He said, do you realise that I could have sold out these gigs twenty times over? You know." He said, "There's queues, there's queues outside." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "Really?" 
And uh, he said, um, how would you fancy doing a gig in the Olympia? And I went, oh, that's a bit of a jump. And he said, no, nah. he said, uh, you sell out the Olympia, no problem. You know, I'll, 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 I'll set it up for you, you know. Yeah. So I said, do you, you sure? And he said, yeah. And I uh, mentioned a figure beyond my wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, I hope he knows what he's talking about, you know. But it sold out, you know. And, wow. And then I was just doing big tours and... Yeah. It all took off. All over Ireland. Mm. Did you do the Gaiety as well? I did a few, yeah. yeah. But the Olympia would have been my regular... Uh, mm-hmm. My regular Dublin gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you were doing the whole... Set. How long of a set were you doing then? Was it... Uh, uh, 90 minutes yeah right yeah. Yeah. you did a half hour and then took a break or or yeah 45, or 45 or maybe two hours maybe on a good night yeah yeah but uh, that, that was just that was just an amazing reaction you know yeah must have been a massive jump I presume when you went back to London you were back doing little clubs yeah well I didn't bother doing little clubs after that obviously you know? yeah <laughs> it's just uh, Concentrate on the on the Irish phenomenon, you know. Yeah, and did you have to change it then in any way? Because I mean, you were doing little um, bits for TV. Mm. Well, I just uh, just naturally expanded from doing it live. You know, mm. they just naturally become more meandering, and uh, I didn't think it would work live. You know, mm. at first because it was just so slow and there's so many gaps in it. You know, I just thought it was a TV phenomenon. You know, mm. and uh, I, I, I just thought that it, that it would be too slow to do live. You know, mm. but uh, it worked. It worked fine. Oh, Jesus, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So all the, all those kind of like all the set pieces were just expansions of the three minute, you know, core things I did on Nighthawks. You know, but like they expanded to ridiculous lengths. You know, to. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how many did you shoot for a night? How many went out on Nighthawks? I think it was about 36 or something. Over a oh, period was of, it that many? Yeah, like uh, I did them over a period of a couple of years, you know. Yeah. I would come in from London and do do half a dozen of them yeah. away again, you know. Yeah. And were they just one-off payments then? Did you ever get any royalties on them? Nothing, no. No? No. Just one-off. Have they ever been put out again on DVD or anything? Uh, I, I re-recorded them all myself, you know, oh. uh, um, brought out a live uh, DVD. Oh. But uh, I don't think that RTE ever did anything with them, you yeah. know. Um, I'm amazed at that. I, I would have thought even, you know, they could put them out now. Yeah. I think, uh, mm. I don't know if this is true or not, but I think... Um, that they might have thrown them away. Jesus Christ! No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't know if I, if I'm making that up or not, but it rings a bell. But must ask Anne Anne right? Has she got any inside information on that? Yeah, I know they used to have a, a lot of the sketches on t- on tape in RTE, but I know there was one me and Paul did. I wanted to get, and it, it wasn't there. <laughs> Somebody took it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have to ask her. Hmm. Yeah, give her a ring. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> yeah. And um, and what did you do then after you toured? How long? How long did you did that go on for? That big kind of reaction to to. Oh God! I milked it for all it was worth. You know, <laughs> probably up till I don't know the year two thousand or something. You know. Yeah. I really, I really milked it. You know, and I, I, I did write other ones. You know. Uh, outside Nighthawks and you know yeah. for the show itself um, but yeah well and truly milked it mm. I mm. just didn't go back to London at all or? oh yeah I was in London for most yeah. of that you know like I was coming over to Ireland to do the big tours you know oh you were living in London yeah I went back to London in 1990 we had you know our daughter was born then so mm. felt a sudden urge to get back to well, Valerie felt like getting back to base near her old friends and family and so mm. that's the thing you know so yeah mm. and when did you decide then not to, to move to Ireland 
That was 97. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the kids were like six, seven years old then, three kids. Uh, and we just wanted some space for them. Like We were just living in a council flat in London. Where were you? Uh, yeah. Huh. Uh, on the second floor without a garden even, you know. So. That's bad. You were living in a council flat in London. Mm. You were coming up to Ireland and doing a massive tour. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, I nearly, did nearly buy a house in London. Yeah. Uh, in 97 mm. but uh, decided to, to move home instead mm. yeah it was that close to you know, half an inch away from buying a house staying in London yeah you'd be there now if you're part of it probably yeah. yeah yeah alright um, so do you think what do you think of the comedy scene now is it more like like you're talking about a time when probably people did it a bit more for the crack or something do you not think? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that, that was just the way it was, you know. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of money in it, yeah. you know, at the club level. Obviously, like, I stumbled in across a, a small uh, you know, <laughs> gold mine in the Nighthawk stuff for a while, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, generally, there wasn't huge opportunities. I mean, I suppose there was people like Alexi Sill, you know, making a jump to TV. Mm. And I remember this wild rumour going around that uh, Alexi Sale was getting a thousand pounds for doing a gig. And it was like, we were like, oh my God, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, it was like he was a legend, you know. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but I mean, once once a few people like, uh, say, Jack D or hmm. I suppose Eddie Izzard and people like that started getting big. A lot of people obviously thought, "Oh, this is this could be a good thing to do." Stand up yeah. comedy, mm. and then there was a, there's like loads of people doing it now. <laughs> That's right. Like I, I remember going to America um, quite early in in the slideshow years. There was a woman called Kit Hollerback who was. Um, oh yeah, she was. Um, you, you know, she was with married Jeremy, or, Jeremy Hardy. Jeremy Hardy's yeah. Her, my uh, wife. Mm. She was a big fan of the slideshow and she said you should go and do it in California. She said there's a circuit where they fly you from, you know, yeah. venue to venue. Yeah. And I liked the sound of that. Um, but there was one small snag. She was the only Californian who thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why she came to London. Yeah. But they didn't get the slideshow at all. You yeah. know. And... Uh, and there was all these open spots, you know, like I remember doing uh, a gig to 400 people in, in San Francisco mm. and the whole night was open spots. Yeah. And they were all trying, none of them being paid and they were all trying to get on the first rung of this glamorous tour, you know. Mm. But some of them had been trying for ages, you know. Yeah. And they were all kind of like, sort of like tipping the cap to the, People going around deciding who was going to move up to the the first rung, the first rung of of being paid, you know. Yeah. And that gave me an insight into how easy I'd had it, you know. And I suppose nowadays it's probably more similar to the to that American system, you know. I don't know for people starting off. Yeah, I I think it probably is. Um... I know. I think it's gone. It dipped a bit recently. I mean, there was a boom kind of live uh, time for live comedy up to about maybe seven or eight years ago. Mm. But but think how well those the the, the people organising the big open spot nights. I know. They yeah, must have been doing very well. Rip off. It's like paying nothing for the comedians. Yeah, and just uh, all the comedians just living in hope. Mm. That they might get on the next run. Mm. Uh, America is different, though, isn't it? Because if you make it in America, you're a millionaire, basically. Yeah. You make it really big. Mm. So it's like uh, the dividends are big, but yeah, there's a lot of people want to get. Uh, so I was over there doing gigs there last year, and yeah, like they, they're not that well paid. If you're doing the club circuit, you're getting maybe two hundred dollars. Yeah. And you have to drive five or six hours there and back mm. there's no accommodation paid for mm. uh, the people who do the improv don't get paid at all yeah 
they just hope they'll get noticed and go on a sitcom mm. and become famous. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's not much crack, really, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did you ever uh, do uh, any like TV work over in Britain? No, the only the only bit I did was uh, just the the live bit of my slideshow. Mm. Um, but then, ah, uh, uh, this is just a streak in me that uh, is uh, allergic to to to. to success you know mm. um, I remember Jules Holland coming out to me and he was presenting the tube in those days in the tunnel palladium mm. and then uh, we were very keen to have the slideshow on the, on the tube you know yeah. and I went ah yeah yeah whatever you know <laughs> it was like yeah I'd want to be on television you know yeah <laughs> too uh, what, too uncool or something you know so <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't do that now you know that's funny, isn't it? Um, that's like this uh, one of you know Dexy's Midnight Runners when, mm. when they hit it big. One of the band apparently they went on top of the pops, and then one of the band left because he was disgusted that they were earn, <laughs> he was earning more money than his father ever earned <laughs> as a plumber. <laughs> so he just quit the band. Yeah, it's very this kind of anti-success attitude that a lot of came out of that. Yeah, well, I've got a bit of that, you know. Mm. So yeah, it must have been a major crisis for me when I, when the Nighthawks thing took off. You know, I did try my best not to, not to be on Nighthawks. You know, I, I named a figure that was too high for them <laughs> and said I wasn't doing it. But uh, I, you know, they came back and met my prize after six months. You know, so I did try to <laughs> stifle my career, but didn't quite succeed. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, and so then after you, what was the latest uh, show that you've done? It's more like this kind of paranoid character. Yeah, right? yeah. latest is a very kind word for it because <laughs> it's about 10 years old now. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was just um, inspired by a short story of uh, Gogol, Nikolai Gogol, called yeah. um, Diary of a Madman. Mm, and it's a very, very funny story. Mm. Of uh, just an ordinary office clerk who uh, has a very mundane life, sharpening pencils all day or something, mm. and um, but he just uh, slowly goes off the rails, you know, and every day becomes a bit stranger, and he ends up thinking he's the king of Spain, you know, and uh, is arrested and you know, shave his head and throw him in jail, and he says very strange customs here in Spain. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't quite um, understand it, but uh, there's a very strange ritual involved in being the king. You know, <laughs> and, and but and he's waiting for them for this ridiculous kind of stag party to be over, and he'd be crowned. You know, and everything will be all right. You know, yeah, and it just ends like that. You know, like he ends up, you know, asking his mother to come and take him away or something. Yeah, it's very sad as well. You know. But yeah, very funny. So it's probably that must be great being that mad because mm. it doesn't matter what happened to you. Yeah, it happens to you because you'll uh, be living in your own. Religion. You'll always be the king of Spain. Yeah, you know you'll always have that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we can't take <laughs> no, that away. No, no one can talk, talk you out of it. <laughs> but mm. yeah, and I read some books on uh, autobiographies of schizophrenics who had recovered. You know, they're very very interesting in their own right. Mm-hmm. And there's a few books about language disorder in, you know, schizophrenia and mental illness. Mm. And um, just got the ideas for, from that, you know. For, mm. I mean, I like a bad pun and a bad wordplay anyway, you know, so. Yeah. Halfway's there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a brilliant show. I did a gig with Jim Donegal. Jesus, strong, amazing. And did you write the whole show then and, and then go and do it? Yeah, more or less, yeah. yeah. I, I had his premiere in the Dublin Fringe Festival in, oh God, 2004 or something. Mm-hmm. So that's my new show. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I probably saw it when we did that tour, the, the uh, Kings of Ireland. Yeah, the, yeah. Or the Kings of Comedy. Sorry. The Kings of Comedy. Kings of Comedy, yeah. sorry. Yeah. How could we forget? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a bizarre tour. Mm. Mm. And uh, are you writing poetry now as well? I've written, I've, I've entered a few poetry competitions, yeah. but I, I haven't won either of them, so <laughs> they, they can go to hell. <laughs> we'll see a different side to McAleer. Yeah. Why, did you, why did you enter the poetry competition? Um, I just saw this uh, prize for you know, £1,000 or something and mm. felt moved to, to, to write a poem. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good basis for writing poetry, but uh, and it didn't work either, you know. So, yeah, you know, I had this idea the other day for writing a new show, you know, a comedy show. Yeah, yeah. But the idea is to write a comedy show. <laughs> you know, that is the idea. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, just um, just write one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna gonna do that. Yeah, oh brilliant! Yeah. There's breaking news. Breaking news! You're gonna write in your yeah. show. Yeah. So, so that's the idea. Yeah. You know, like I've been waiting ten years for an, another idea, <laughs> and I and I've just found the idea, and the idea is to write a comedy show. That just came to you. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, I can't wait to see it. Me either. Will it be in the near future? <laughs> the near future, or um, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's taken me ten years to have the idea, you know. So mm. hopefully, I'll be able to write it quickly now. Because mm-hmm. getting the idea is the hard part, isn't it? It is actually. Yeah. And now I have the idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't, <laughs> wait <to see. laughs> can't wait to see it on that's, that bombshell. That's a showstopper. Mm. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just come to the new show. Mm-hmm. Well, keep me and uh, keep me updated, and I'll I'll uh, I'll put it on my podcast. And if anyone's listening to my podcast, they'll find out about it. Yeah. Right, Kevin McAleer, thank you. Thank you. That was meant to be the end of the interview with Kevin McAleer, but afterwards we started talking about London and the old comedy store and a guy called Malcolm Hardy, who's a legend of British comedy, he ran a club called The Tunnel, later to become Up The Creek. He told me about one of the Birmingham Six doing his act and he started off talking about a fella called Randolph the Remarkable, whose act was lifting a bucket of water with his big belly. Put a um, tub of water on the floor mm. uh, and, and he would put his stomach into the... You know, he would go down and put his stomach in the in the tub, and then by suction he would lift it up, and it would yeah. be stuck to his uh, stomach. That was his act. Yeah. You know, like he would draw it out circus style. You know, with all this drama and stuff. But that was his act. Pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Randall's <was> remarkable. <laughs> what was there's another guy who used to eat at Mars Bar and it dribbles <laughs> down here and he sing a song or something. Do <laughs> you don't remember him now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Missed that. wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> oh, were any of the... Uh, was Jack D or any... They were doing the same kind of clubs and uh, people like that. People who have gone on to... I don't remember Jack D. No. Uh, you know, uh, starting off. I remember like Paul Merton. Yeah. Um, uh, Harry Enfield, Clive, uh, Clive Anderson, um, Julian Clary. Do you know Julian Clary? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he used to ha- he used to have a he used to have a little dog, and he had a night called um, Fanny the Wonder Dog. Mm. So him, him and his little dog, and lots of Dublin tundras, of course, about Fanny. I know, yeah. and like he was, he was a massive star. Yeah. And now, kind of mm. disappeared. What about Sean Hughes? Did, were you doing any around his time? Don't say I, I don't, didn't come across him on the on the circuit. You know, I was, I was aware of when he when he won the Perry Award in Edinburgh. You know, but uh, somehow somehow I didn't come across him on the circuit. Uh, Carl um, McDermott. Don't think so. No. Ian McPherson. Yeah, Ian McPherson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember him doing his stuff in London. Yeah. Owen O'Neill, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, who else? Because Ian McPherson Jeremy was, Hardy. was kind of... I don't know, when he came over here, we were all in awe of him. Mm-hmm. Mm. But Maybe. he, was, he was, wasn't very friendly. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit of a surly... A bit of a surly character. Very surly. He's the yeah. Van Morrison of the alternative comedy. Where yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, Jeremy Hardy, yeah, he used to come over here a good bit. Mm-hmm. And then do a collection for the Birmingham Six or something after after his gig or something. Yeah. Man, there was a gig after, after they got out, the Birmingham Six got out, and the Birmingham Six were there, you know, and uh, at the gig. Yeah. And uh, the conference said, and now um, so and so is going to do a, a little bit himself, you know, one of the Birmingham Six. I can't remember, he's a small, bald guy. Yeah. So he's a big round of applause. It was in a big theatre in Houston. Um, and uh, then you could have heard a pin drop. Mm. Got some right from the anyway. Edelweiss. And he sang Edelweiss, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And people didn't know whether he was taking the piss or not, and and nobody, everything. Do we laugh at this? Or, uh, yeah, you know, but nobody was going to be the first to to laugh. To laugh. So I just listened to his respectful sounds all the way through, and then a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a moment, you know. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know if he was taking the piss or not. Uh, I hope he or, was, or whether he waited all his life to get out to, to do that you yeah know? yeah yeah and I'm a free man I know what I'm going to do when I go out to get out Mark Steele you know Mark Steele Mark Steele no what does he do he does political stuff you know um, but like Mark Mark Thomas another one another one yeah, yeah. yeah. he's brilliant yeah, yeah. Mm. Was the comedy store going then? Yeah, but I, I didn't do it much, mm. you know. It was L-shaped, which mm. didn't make it suitable for slides. Oh, right, yeah. I remember doing a, a stormer of a gig with the slideshow in it, but uh, a third of the audience couldn't see it, mm. and they weren't happy, you know. I'd say so, was, yeah. What the fuck are they laughing at? Yeah. What the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> Mostly just you silence. see the slides. Yeah, yeah. yeah especially at the start before I'm saying anything. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Kinnell. Well, what about Malcolm Hardy? Is a is a madman, wasn't he? Well, he was a good man, though. Yeah, no, he was a really sound man. Yeah, I stayed in his house a few times. Like when I would do the tunnel, hmm. like there was no the, the the last tube would be gone. You know, it was a long way back to. North London, mm. and uh, he, he would just uh, put you up for the night, you know. He was good. Yeah, I stayed out in there, out, out in Greenwich one weekend, and uh, myself, Patrick McDonald, actually, he, he uh, brought us out on the Thames in his little boat, mm. and it was, it was nerve-wracking, you know, because he's mm. drinking a can of beer and on the phone and playing them. Um, Mm. Actually played Pet Sands, Beach Boys, mm. but mm. gone flying up around all the tourist boats. Mm. Uh, it's pretty mental, you know, considering yeah. how he died as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and his son is his son uh, Frank. He's now an adult, of course. I he was two mm. when I was staying there, and uh, the next time I saw him, I said, "How's Frank?" And he said, "He died." And I said, "Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that." He said, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. like that was a sense of humour, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was a. Uh, I must tell. I must tell uh, Frank that sometime. I've never met him as an adult, you know, but maybe he mightn't like. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I I did. I played it when it was up the creek, but. Uh, it had that reputation of having really good heckler heckler. Yeah, no, it it it, it could be a real bear pit, you know. Yeah. Um, but they loved the slideshow. Yeah. You know. They just loved it. So I was all right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, gig there. I was shitting it going on though. It had that reputation. Yeah. Oh, it could, yeah, they could really just destroy people. You know. Yeah. 
very, very soon. You know, I've seen people being destroyed in the first minute. Yeah. And having to leave. They just they just thought, no. From the minute. They're not, they're, they're not going to be allowed to. <laughs> I don't know what. They would just turn against people, you know, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And just, uh, they would just have to leave. <laughs> you know. It was almost like a a committee or something. Yeah. It was like the whole room judged you very quickly. That's what I find, you know. Yeah. And I saw some people being judged very, very harshly, very quickly, you know. And just having to get off. Yeah. <laughs> there was no in between. And and Malcolm didn't help you when he was bringing you on? No. So I, is, you're, you yeah. haven't seen him before? Probably shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a guy, don't I? It's probably shit, but... Yeah. Anyway, here he is. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, that was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a... Some cute. of us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that definitely is the end of the interview with Kevin McAleer. And what a great chat it was and what a great person he is. And I love Kevin. And uh, thanks, Kevin, for dropping out to the house and chatting to me. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, so just coming up, I've got a few gigs coming up. And on the 19th of October, uh, Phil Jupitus is dropping in and performing with the Dublin Comedy Improv in the International Bar Monday night. Please drop into that. It'll be fantastic. Then on the 22nd, I'm in Dundalk in a place called Brew Bakers with Patrick MacDonald. And the 23rd, I'm in Killaloo in a place called The Washerwoman. Yeah. And on the 24th with Patrick McDonald again in the King's Head in Galway. And on the 25th, I'm in Whose Line Is It Anyway? And Phil Jupiter's in The Loft. That's a part of the Vodafone Comedy Carnival in Galway at the weekend. So thanks a million for listening. And it's 25 episodes and there'll be many more to come. Uh, please keep uh, listening and downloading and doing whatever you're doing uh, and giving me feedback and uh, please give more and you can talk to me on Twitter at Joe Rooney one um, and you can get me at my website www.joerooneycomedian.com uh, I'd like to thank Daniel Rooney for the music Andrew Mangan for producing and Castaway Media for hosting the podcast yeah so next week we've got Ardla Hanlon see you then seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.